16 down, 349 to go. This is at a theater near me. My name is Chris, and this is the podcast where I go to the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. Uh, today's episode is fan sponsored. Uh, someone was very nice. Uh, not another anonymous person reached out and uh, sponsored this episode. Said they wanted once again. This person as well wanted to be known as uh, a friend of the show. So a huge thank you to them. So no ads uh, this episode at all, so we can get right to it. Uh, so I went and saw the movies, the 355, as well as the uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. So we'll, obviously I'll give the reviews of those at the end of the show, uh, as well as talking about the box office report and the upcoming schedule, which was kind of left to ruin after the King Richard debacle from the previous episode. So we'll get right into the theaters. I went to Barnsey's in Barrington, New Hampshire, and I went back to the O'Neill Cinemas in Epping. Okay, so let's talk Barnsies. So Barnsies Cinema is in Barrington, New Hampshire, which was built in the early 90s, I'd say 91 or 92. Uh, And I remember that very well because uh, I was living in Stratford, which is the town over from Barrington. So I was about, I don't know, 15 minutes away when I was growing up. So when they built this theater, it was a pretty big deal. I was 11 or 12. Uh, The closest theater until this one was built to my house uh, in New Hampshire was about a half hour away. So to have a theater this close was great. At the time, it was only a four, a four screener, so only had four screens. Now it's a six screener. Back in the day when it was built initially, it was a strip mall, it was a Chinese food restaurant, and then a uh, like an IGA, like a really low-key, bare-bones supermarket. Barrington at the time didn't really have any supermarket options at all. A couple years later, there would be a, a giant market basket built like 10 minutes away, which then drove that IGA out. And then since then, it's just been a variety of things. It's a hardware store for a while. Uh, I forget what it is now. It, it constantly changes hands. But that Chinese food place has remained. And it has pretty terrible Chinese food, as I'm sure you can imagine, in Barrington, New Hampshire. Uh, the movie theater also has remained to have, two, to have two tenants there that long since it opened is pretty I think pretty outstanding for a, a strip mall for the last 30 years and have the same two tenants having said that it hasn't been the exact same two tenants when it was initially built it was under Spinelli Cinemas and um, Spinelli owned a few different theaters in the New Hampshire area including one in Portsmouth New Hampshire uh, one in Dover New Hampshire which was the Strand Theater uh, my other podcast Quantum Week we had a live show at the Strand Theater and uh, Spinelli also owned the Barnsies and one in the Lilac Mall as well they had a few different uh, theaters all over New Hampshire especially the Seacoast area the problem with the Spinellis was around 2008, 2009, somewhere in there, uh, they stopped paying their rent at all their locations. So as I'm sure you can imagine, I believe it was January 2008, I think it was, not in January 2009, whatever. Either way, they all got um, evicted around the same time. They also kind of like pulled out of the locations around the same time as well. And they basically just went dark overnight. So like a one, you know, one day, all of the theaters are open. The one in the Lilac Mall, the one in Barrington, uh, the one in Dover all open. And then literally overnight, they're all gone. Uh, and the other theaters have remained basically closed. Um, someone went in and bought the Strand Theater in Dover, and they turned that into more of like a performing arts center. Um, that's why we had like the live show there. Like you could rent out that space. It's not really 
a movie theater anymore. But Barnsley, to their credit, they went in, swooped in, grabbed the Barrington location immediately, and they've been running ever since. They've been, you know, said doing it for, you know, we're talking 13, 14 years now, Barnsley's has been in Barrington. They also have a location in Lincoln and Meredith, New Hampshire, which is more north from where I am. I've never been to those locations. Uh, but Barnsley's does a pretty good job. I mean, it's it's similar to O'Neill Cinemas, not as fancy, I guess, even though I always say O'Neill's is kind of like no frills. Barnsley's is even less frills and no frills. They are, they, they are really like a budget type cinema. I think it's 1050 for a matinee to, to grab a ticket there, but the, the concessions are the cheapest ones I've seen on this entire journey. I think my soda there was about $5 and 50 cents. It was a medium. They actually have like real cup sizes there. Like if you go to like, like the AMC, for instance, like you can either pick between like giant and super giant, like these, you know, they give you like way too much soda Wait, you know, drink sizes are just enormous. Uh, but at Barnsley's, they actually have like reasonable, like regular size cups you might find at a restaurant, um, which is probably pretty great if you have a kid, you know, if you have kids going that way, you know, you're not spending insane amount of money for something that they're never going to be able to consume. So Barnsley's, uh, their, their nickname, uh, or sorry, their motto rather is where Tinseltown meets our hometown which is cute. And I think actually fairly on point. I don't know what Barnsies, like that's kind of, a, I think an odd name, but uh, I think it's pretty, you know, for what they're doing, you know, running an independent family cinema, they do a pretty decent job. They went in, they uh, recently went into the Barrington one and put in those like luxury recliners that you see at like AMC or Regal or, you know, any larger chain. So I give them credit. They keep trying to, to grow the cinema. Like I said, they went from a four to a six screener. They keep making, you know, small efforts and to run a movie theater in Barrington is great. Like I said, it's really close to, to where I'm now on the other side of Barrington, uh, where I grew up was more north, now more south. But the, the fact that it's there um, is convenient for this project. And every once in a while, I'll head over there and check out a movie at Barnsley's, even if I'm not doing this insane project. Uh, the other theater I went to was O'Neill Cinemas in Epping. You're probably thinking, oh my God, all this guy does is go to O'Neill Cinemas and you're not wrong. It's my fifth, they joined the five timers club, but it will be probably the last time I go there for, for quite a while for a number of reasons. The reason I had been going to O'Neill Cinemas uh, so often is because uh, they have the earliest matinees. They have matinees that start at 11 o'clock and I wanted to watch football, which typically starts at one o'clock. But the, uh, the football games now are, because we're so deep in the playoffs, they're not going to have any more one o'clock games. So I don't really have a need to go to an 11 o'clock matinee anytime soon. The other reason I went there, of course, was the King Richard debacle, uh, which, I mean, I hopefully that won't happen again. That just worked out with time. But I really should be, from a budget perspective, going to Regal a lot more. There's a Regal Cinemas in Newington that I haven't been to yet. I think I'm going there on Wednesday. And I really should be going there much more often. I have the monthly pass. I don't have a pass to O'Neill Cinemas. So I'm, you know, kind of throwing money away every time I go there. So I'm definitely going to make a better, a bigger effort to try to hit the Regal Cinemas more often. Um, so that's kind of my, my plan going forward. So I think that fifth time to O'Neill's is probably going to be the, the last for a while. Which brings me to my upcoming schedule. I will be going to, uh, here's what I have lined up right now. Monday, so you're hearing this on Monday, uh, today I'm going to go see Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, a Sydney Poitier film, um, which was re-released after his death. Uh, I'm going to see that at the AMC Methuen, where we had the King Richard uh, nightmare. Uh, hopefully they got their shit together. And I'm going to try seeing King Richard there again on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, I'm going to hit that Regal Cinema and check out Licorice Pizza. That's the plan right now. Uh, obviously, I could always change based on what movies are, you know, 
what, what the schedule is looking like. Typically, the movie theaters put the schedules out on Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, so I'm going to obviously keep an eye on that and, and things can always change, but that's kind of the plan going forward. So let's talk about the box office report and kind of how I'm going to adjust with, with the upcoming week here. So like I always do, I break this into tiers. Um, so tier one is movies I have no business seeing uh, in the in the theaters this upcoming week. I really want to wait these out. And there's three of them now. Uh, so we have a new number one for the first time uh, doing this uh, project here. Scream, so Scream 5 basically, took over the number one spot, uh, $30.6 million. So Scream is the number one movie this week. So Paramount has to be really happy with that. That's actually a pretty big, um, pretty big news for the for the movie industry as well. Now they've had luck uh, even with COVID with horror movies, whether it be you know the Halloween Kills movie that came out. Um, even though it was streaming, it still made a lot of money. And you know they're finding that young males, especially when I say young males, I'm talking you say males under 30 years old, are still going to the movie theaters. They're not scared off by COVID. Uh, and young females are as well, but young males especially are really driving the box office right now. Um, number two uh, is Spider-Man No Way Home. Once again, a movie that appeals to to young, but you know, to Marvel movies kind of appeal to everyone, obviously, but younger males especially are driving that. That made 20.8 million, even though it's in its fifth week of release. It's gonna crack $700 million uh, today, being, today being Monday, like it'll hit the $700 million mark. And that's just domestic, which is a wild take. Um, that movie is just doing enormously well. So the fact that you have two movies doing pretty well, look, COVID is still obviously a huge, huge, huge burden for the movie industry. But I wonder if you see more and more movies like Scream, especially, you know, I think people kind of chalk up Spider-Man as, oh, it's Marvel, it doesn't count. But if Scream is going to do well, you know, that might allow maybe for less movies to get pulled from the shelves here. Uh, number three on our list is Sing 2, and that made 8.2 million. The reason I bring, you know, we're, we're talking about Sing 2 as well, as it relates to the box office and COVID, uh, of course, we had that movie pulled, uh, Pixar movie was pulled a couple months ago. Sing 2 is going to make $119 million so far in four weeks of release. That's perfectly fine for a lot of movies. That's certainly underwhelming for that movie. Like, you know, a movie like Sing 2 before, you know, 2019 earlier, that probably would have made $300 million in the box office. So the fact it's only going to make 119 is, is definitely underwhelming. And I think that's scaring off a lot of children's movies from coming out. We haven't seen a ton of kids movies coming out in this box office uh, in this month. Um, and I think that's a big reason why. I mean, there's uh, parents and kids are that demographic is still seems a little frightful of, of going to the movies. Uh, okay, so let's talk about that next tier movies that ideally I won't see, but maybe I I will if it kind of breaks right. Unfortunately, some of these movies I've already seen. In fourth place is the 355, which I'll talk about later in the show. That made 2.3 million. Um, it's been out for two weeks. It's made 8.4 total. So definitely a box office bomb there. Number five, The Kingsman. I've seen that as already, as you know, that made 2.3 million. Uh, that has made 28.6 million in four weeks of release. So, you know, that's on its way out as well, but maybe I saw it, you know, a week or two too soon. Number six is an interesting one. This is Bell. Bell is a anime film. It is completely subtitled. It made 1.6 million. I don't know how long it's going to be in theaters. I'm a little nervous with this one because typically a major studio like Universal, like say with the 355, when they bring on a movie like the 355, that has to be in theaters for two full weeks before theaters can pull it out. I don't know if that's the case with Bell. Uh, sometimes with foreign films or films that might have a higher risk uh, and maybe studios you don't have a great relationship with or any relationship at all, um, they don't necessarily have the same contractual obligations. So I think I'm going to try to see Bell as soon as possible. I don't want to see Bell. I don't like anime. I have no interest in this movie. But for the sake of the project, I'm really going to make an effort to see it uh, in the next, you know, whatever, four to 
eight days here. Um, so I, I expect Bell will be something I see sooner rather than later, unfortunately. Number seven is American Underdog. Uh, and that's something I already seen. So that kind of breaks out that tier there. So now we're in the tier of movies I probably should start seriously considering seeing. West Side Story has made $948,000 this week. It has been dropped from 830 theaters from the previous week. It's obviously not doing very well at all. It's only made $33 million for the entire run, but it still kind of hangs around. It's gotten very good reviews. I think it's going to get a lot of Oscar nominations. So I've been kind of pushing off seeing that, but now we're starting to get to a point where maybe I, I might just go just go see it. I, I, I think at some point you have to, even though it might get critical buzz, it might get some award buzz, you can't always kind of bank on that. And God forbid, it doesn't get anything at all and get dropped in the theaters and I missed out on it. So West Side Story is on my short list. Number nine is Licorice Pizza, which I'm seeing on Wednesday. And number 10 is something I think I need to see right away. And that's The Matrix Resurrections. Uh, it's made $815,000 this week. It had been dropped from 11, uh, 1,150 theaters. Uh, it has only made 35 million total and a huge chunk of that came from that first week. So Warner Brothers must be very disappointed with that. I know it's also streaming on HBO Max, but this movie has gotten, you know, dogged by critics. Uh, the fans didn't even seem to like it very much and it hasn't made any money. Complete disaster. They've basically, the studio's already said we're not looking to make any more sequels of this. I think it was initially proposed as maybe a reboot type situation with the Matrix series, but I think everyone is pretty much off the Matrix train at this point. Number 11 is Ghostbusters Afterlife. I've already seen it. Number 12 is Encanto, which I've already seen. Number 13 is Nightmare Alley, which I've already seen. Also in the mix here is Venom. The interesting one with Venom, which I'm going to talk about in a second here, that had been re-released in 1,400 theaters. I think what happened here was Sony had agreements with a number of theaters because of Morbius. And when they pulled Morbius, the theaters were like, well, you got to give us something. So they gave them Venom. They basically re-released Venom. But it's been a disaster. It made $380,000, I think, in 1,400 theaters. Uh, the reason I say I think is I'm looking at a number of couple lists here. The official results for box office don't come out till Monday, so I'm going by estimates. So sometimes I got to parse together a couple different lists here. But no matter how the list shakes out, re-releasing Venom has been a complete mistake. No one really asked for this movie to be re-released. It looks like it's making about $265 uh, per theater, which, quick comparison, Ghostbusters is making $650 per theater. So, you know, Ghostbusters has been out for nine weeks. Like there's no one wanted Venom to be released except for me for this project. So I think that was a complete mistake uh, by Sony. I think they're just desperate and they probably should have just stuck with Morbius being the schedule, honestly. Uh, number, uh, then keep going down the list. You have a journal for Jordan and I'll finish the list off here with parallel mothers. This is a Spanish language film, uh, with Penelope Cruz, I believe in it, but, uh, this is one I think I, I'm actually kind of interested in seeing. I think it's playing at the landmark, uh, in Kendall square in Cambridge. I would check this out for sure. It's, um, it keeps getting expanded to a few more theaters here and there. It's only in 50 theaters right now. Um, but if this gets some Oscar buzz, you might see it potentially move up. Um, also, I just think theaters are so desperate for anything. If they're going to put something like Venom out there, why not give something like Parallel Mothers a chance? I mean, no, everyone who wanted to see Venom has already seen it. You might as well put something new out there. Uh, so that's the, that's the boxer report here. So once again, not that dissimilar from what we already talked about. I guess the big differences here are Scream and Bell popping in that top 10, obviously. Uh, and then next week, I think there's two more movies being released. I don't say wide, but in at least over a thousand theaters. So that's another reason I might want to go see Matrix. I could see uh, Matrix falling out of more theaters. So I guess the takeaway from that list is I really need to see Matrix Resurrections as soon as possible. And I might need to start really considering seeing West Side Story as well. Okay, so let's get into the reviews here. Uh, so let's talk Venom. <laughs> so Venom, Let There Be Carnage is 
far and away the worst film I've seen um, so far in this journey. But it's hard for me to really to review it because it's a movie that's so terrible, but I think kind of wants to be terrible. It is completely awful. And it kind of embraces it, whether it be Woody Harrelson's bizarre hairpiece to just an, uh, a terrible script. It doesn't really make any sense. It's, it tries to be funny with the Venom character talking with Tom Hardy. It's really a movie made for, you know, eight or nine-year-old boys. I know it's rated PG-13, so maybe it gives a little bit of that edge to it that, you know, that way maybe, a, you know, a nine-year-old boy doesn't feel like they're watching Sing 2. They feel like they're getting something with a bit more heft. But, I mean, compared to, I, I'm look, I'm not a Marvel movie fan at all. I think most of those movies are not that great. I mean, Iron Man is fantastic. There are some exceptions, but you look at a movie like Eternals and Eternals takes itself, you know, way too seriously. It's way, you know, it's, it's like two hours and like 30 minutes. It's, it's a ridiculous, long film that really thinks it's making an import, important statement when it isn't. I guess I got to give Venom some credit. It's 90 minutes long. It has no, it makes no impressions It's trying to do anything important at all. It's simply just doing the dumbest thing possible at all turns and kind of embraces it. Uh, at one point, it also has like shameless, one of the most shameless uh, commercial placement I've ever seen in a film. Uh, Venom, or sorry, Tom Hardy gets a TV and he's putting his new TV up. The box of the TV, it's a Brevia TV is right next to the TV. And another character walks in and goes, hey, nice TV. Like it's basically like a commercial for no reason at all. And the movie doesn't care. It's directed by Andy Serkis. Uh, Andy Serkis probably most known for being Gollum um, in the uh, Lord of the Rings. He he was also Caesar in the Planet of the Apes movies. As a, he's going to be Alfred in the new Batman as a director, he just seems, like I said, it, this, it's hard. It's almost like if you're a teacher and you have the kid in the back of the class that just puts no effort in and gets like a, a 28 on the test. It's, you can't get too mad about it because he didn't care. He almost wanted to get that 28. But in the same token, it's still a 28. This is a terrible film. The other thing about this movie is, and this is true with 355, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. This cast is really amazing. Uh, you have Tom Hardy, who's a who's a very good actor. Michelle Williams, who's a fantastic actor, one of the best actresses, you know, in under forty five that we have working right now. And then you have Woody Harrelson, who's one of the best character actors we have right now. And they're all in this, and, and they all seem to be like going along, like having fun with it. Like Woody Harrelson, he's chewing up scenery, he's having a good time. He seems to know how stupid this is. Uh, Tom Hardy helped write this. He got a story by credit. He also is a producer on this as well. Uh, he doesn't seem to care how stupid this is. It's 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 bizarre. Um, I, I don't know if I remember if I can remember a movie with this many talented people involved. Robert Richardson's a cinematographer. He's he's actually a very good cinematographer. It, it's strange to have this many talented people involved with a uh, a project that is is just so, so, so bad. I mean, by the way, you know, Robert Richardson, just to, just a quick thing here. He's Martin Scorsese cinematographer. He did Casino, which has some of the best shots I've ever seen in a film. He has, he did uh, Born on the Fourth of July, JFK with Oliver Stone. Uh, he's done Django Unchained uh, and Hateful Eight for Tarantino. He did Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is one of my favorite movies of the last decade. And he did the cinematographer Venom, Let There Be Carnage. It's just, madness um that this movie isn't better it is absolutely atrocious i i doesn't really have any redeeming value aside from the fact that it doesn't take itself seriously and doesn't mind if you make fun of it it's almost like a movie made for like mystery science theater 3000 they're just having and they're having fun it's goofy it's short 
I mean, I guess there's worse things in the world, but from the perspective of actually judging it against other films and judging it as far as being a work of art, it's not, it, but it also doesn't pretend to be. So I guess it gets credit for that. Terrible film. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm giving it a, a D. Um, I'd probably give it lower than that if it wasn't just embracing its failure so so easily. Uh, the other movie I watched, The 355, uh, this is a spy film with an amazing cast that is generic USA Network, totally boring, lame uh, movie. Uh, it has Jessica Chastain, who's okay. I think she's a little overrated. But then you have Penelope Cruz, Diane Kruger. Diane Kruger uh, was uh, in Django Unchained. She played the, the female spy there. So she was actually in a good spy movie at one point. And then Lupita Nyong'o, who is one of the best actresses working today, period. I mean, she's a better actress than Michelle Williams. She's incredible. She was in Us, which is I liked actually like better than to get out, but she's fantastic in us. One of the best performances you'll see by an actress uh, in the last, you know, five, 10 years, I think. Uh, and then she's in 12 years of slave, an amazing uh, supporting actress performance there. She won the Oscar for that. Uh, you have Sebastian Stan, Edgar Ramirez is also in this. Those guys are decent actors. You know, if you've seen any international espionage film, then you've seen this. It hits all of the same beats. Uh, you couldn't ask for a talk about a movie with no heart. I will say Venom. Venom has no brain, but Venom at least has some sort of heart and pulse to it. This movie doesn't have anything like that. The only person who's actually been attempting to act here really is Penelope Cruz. She kind of plays like the everyman. She's not like a hardened spy. So some of the stuff going on around her, she actually has the ability to emote to. Everyone else is just kind of is playing this like they, you know, just did like a James Bond marathon and is doing their best Bond imitation, but not even like a Daniel Craig or a good Bond. It's more like a Bond, like maybe like Timothy Dalton, who I know I'm sure some people like, and Timothy Dalton uh, was still uh, more fun to watch than than these women here. This is, it's just, like I said, it's boring. It's really less Bond. I mean, I'm even doing Bond a disservice and some Bond movies are very entertaining. This is more like USA Network, like that show Suits or something, Any, anything you'd find on the most, or like on Fox, something incredibly boring, procedural, television, uh, you know, maybe like a criminal minds type show on CBS. Just think of the most boring, basic network or basic cable spy show. And this is it for an hour, you know, two hours. This is two hours and four minutes, way too long. And it's just, there's really no need for it. I don't really understand why this movie exists. It's hitting all of the same basic spy beats of any movie you'd see in the late eighties, early nineties. We've already done this. The only difference is it has an all woman cast, which we've already seen. We saw this with the Ghostbusters uh, film in 2016. We saw this with Ocean's 8. Just putting women in movies that you know men would typically star in, that's not enough to make it entertaining, especially when they're just retreads of movies. These aren't, uh, you know, they're not breaking any, I mean, they're breaking zero new ground with this movie. Like I said, this could not be a more boring, heartless effort uh, so I, I would stay away from 355. I'll give this, I guess, a D plus. These are the two worst movies we, we've co I've covered for the for this show so far. 355 is is bad and boring. Venom is especially terrible. But at least Venom, at least they're just having fun. No one 355 is having fun. Uh, so both these movies you probably should stay away from. So I guess that's gonna wrap it up here. I did want to let you guys know. It looks like next episode I'm gonna have uh, Mike Geary on. So I'm excited about that. Hopefully I'm able to finally see King Richard and have him on. I think the episode after that, we might have the film curator from Cinema Salem on. So hopefully I'll have some guests coming up. If you're looking to sponsor this show, I'd love to have you. Ad reads typically start about 50 bucks uh, and go from there. Uh, you can reach out to me. Be happy to go over that in greater detail. You can reach me at, at a theater at gmail.com. That's at a theater at symbol 
gmail.com. Sponsors we've had have been great so far and love to, to have you join us there. Next episode is going to be uh, with Mike uh, and then we're going to cover uh, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, the Sydney Poitier movie, and then King Richard. Uh, and I'll look forward to talking to you guys then. Thank you.